It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Straight to business today. September 28, 2015 was the day the Mulligan family's lives changed forever. Martin Mulligan, a taxi driver from Dundalk, was stabbed by Joseph Hillen on the outskirts of town and left to die on the side of the road. Late last year, Hillen was found not guilty of murder, but guilty of manslaughter by a jury and sentenced last week at the Central Criminal Court by Justice Eileen Creeden to seven years in prison with the final year suspended. On late lunch this afternoon, I'm joined by Martin's daughters, Shauna and Sharon. You're both very welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Um, it can't be easy, I know, for you to uh, join me on the show this afternoon and talk about uh, your dad and all that happened. But look, let, let's talk first about the sentence and what transpired with the sentence just last week. Shauna, how do you and the family feel about uh, the manslaughter charge and the years he got? Uh, we're very disappointed, first of all, with the manslaughter charge because, in our opinion, it was murder. Uh, and then to be so annoyed and upset about that he then got seven years with one year suspended so we're just complete, like so disappointed uh, we just feel like the justice system is very unfair and the scales of justice are not balanced You um, you sat through the trial both of you did and your, your mum and families as well and listened to everything that you heard a jury heard it as well they made the call, you know what I mean? We have to say that, you know, that yeah. it, it was a jury call that was ma- was made on this. Would a longer sentence or a more substantial sentence have changed anything for you? It wouldn't have changed anything, but it would have... It would have been more in the lines of justice. Yeah. <laughs> just It's just six years, it's just... It's crazy. My mom said to me last night, we were just having a conversation, and she said it, things are actually getting worse for her since it, since the trial's over. She says that she feels like my da- her, her husband's life meant nothing. Nothing. That's your mum, Grania, who yeah. was talking to you, and, and yeah. that's her feelings. That even, even with this now, the, the case sort of closed, that's the way she's feeling and will mm-hmm. feel. Yeah, just on the sentence itself, there's no talk of an appeal, or did you bring this up? I suppose that the DPP have to decide if, if they make an appeal. Is that it? Yes, it's in the hands of the DPP now. So it's still not decided whether they'll appeal that sentence or not. Is that? Well, the charge can never change. Yes. 
but the sentence may, but it mightn't be much. Okay. Have you made any representations to them or talked about it or anything? No. They will go to the DPP. Okay. The barrister is definitely going to the DPP. To seek a longer sentence? Yes. Okay, and that's that's for down the road and back to the judge and the courts as well. Um, there was a lot said in the trial. You had to sit through this trial as a family. What was that like to be there and listen to all the evidence? Traumatic. Very traumatic. It took a harder toll on me than I thought it would. Um, things come out in court which I didn't expect to. Yeah, the evidence was extremely hard to listen to. Um, like, da- it came out in court then that Dad had uh, over 30 injuries sustained to his body um, between a blow to the head, the back of his head. He had multiple bruises uh, across his across the front of him and his arms. Uh, they also took out his jumper as evidence and there was a tear from the start of the V-neck of his jumper right down and it wasn't it wasn't a tear, it was actually a cut from a knife and it wasn't done by paramedics or anything like that. It was done on the night by, by whoever was there. Mm. So. The, the knife, you mentioned the knife there and this has come up on a number of occasions and whose knife this was. Did your dad carry a knife? Was he a knife carrier? No. Definitely not. Definitely not. He did not have a knife in the taxi that night. Or any knife. And the story is just so fabricated that the knife was supposed to have been in the driver's side of the passenger door, which just does not make any sense whatsoever because if you're a taxi man, why would you have a knife that size in the passenger side of your taxi. Mm-hmm. And after having an altercation, they apparently stood, say, 20, 30 feet away watching my dad run up to his car and grab this knife. So they stood watching him doing that. that it's just, it's nuts. It's lies. <laughs> what else? You, you wanted to mention other things you felt weren't highlighted in, in the course of what, what you sat through, such as? Well, Joe Hill never had to take the stand. It's up to the accused if they want to take the stand or not. I think if he had to talk to st- the stand, that the verdict would be different. That he possibly would have been... Um, had have caught for a murder charge. You'd think he might have, if he was cross-examined and it went to, <clears throat> into that, that it might have been a different outcome. Yeah. So he never... He, he didn't have to do that in, in no, this case. No, he didn't have to do that. The victims aren't considered. Everything is for the accused. The justice system is just for the accused. My mum had to take the stand, which was a traumatic experience for her. It was terrible. And to sit and watch her was just horrific. Horrific. And there was nothing we could do. Did you feel helpless? Like you're, you're, you're oh, there? Oh, completely helpless. There's absolutely helpless. nothing you can do, nothing you can say. You just can't stand up for your dad in any way. So it's just a one-sided story that was believed. So we're here today and tr- to try and be a voice for our dad. He can't be here. <clears throat> you obviously, and no doubt in your mind, that he was the innocent party in all of this. Oh, 100%. 100%. And he paid the ultimate price with his life. Yeah. Do you remember the day itself or round about this whole incident we're going back now to September 2015 do you remember the last time Sharon you spoke to him I remember the last time I spoke to him yeah and he I just called into my mum's house to get pillows and um, he gave me a hug and said goodbye 
that was yep that's with you that's your last memory of him yep the the day when, when he was out working he was working he was he was on the rank he was taking fares was it that, that in the night, course of his yes. work that night yeah. yeah and had he been in touch did he ring in the, to your mum or anything had there been any contact near the time when this incident happened no, he went and drank at those hours. Yeah, because it's Unless he wanted something or there was something wrong. Or if we were so there was nothing yes. heard of him then. When was the alarm raised? When, when did did you find out that there was something up? How did that happen? Well, my mum rang me. I wasn't living at home at the time. My mum rang me and said, Sharon, will you call down to me before you go to work? So it was about, it was before seven o'clock in the morning and I was just getting ready. And then I went into a panic. I was, why does my mum want me down? So I rang her back and I says, mum, why do you want me down? And she says, Sharon, just please come to the house now. So I got myself in a fluster. I didn't know what to wear. And then what was going through my head, I have a feeling I'd, I won't be in work today. I feel like something bad has happened. So I rang her back because my dad would usually ring me if there was anything wrong and I asked her to put my dad in the phone and then her voice changed from being calm her voice changed she said Sharon just please come down to the house now so I knew there was something wrong what about from your perspective Shauna did you when did you find out yeah the same thing early that morning uh, there was a knock on the door and at the beginning I didn't think that dad had I just thought there was something wrong with dad and then it was a wee while later then I found out that he was actually killed and murdered. I thought it might have been a car crash and I kept asking, is he OK? And then um, I was just expecting him to come in the door. Which I'm sure you've expected many days since w- yeah. when, you, when you're there. that evening. Yeah. It was just shock that morning. The shock, you don't, you just... You just don't believe it. You're just in disbelief. And I think it took about maybe two hours before kind of reality hit me. And I remember walking out the back door and walking around the side of the house and just collapsing, just collapsing. My uncle Robert walked around then and actually picked me up off the floor. Did you know soon enough that this was a sinister death, that there was something... How quickly did you find that out? Um, as soon as we were told, we were... We knew that... You knew? Our, yeah. You have to go through then the immediate situation of identification of the whole funeral and all yeah, that. Yeah. Is that vivid in your memory or is it a haze at this stage? A haze. Parts, yeah. Different yeah. parts. What do you remember? Is there anything you remember in particular? It's, I, it's all blocked out to mm, me. Yeah, yeah. 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 Huge turnout, I know. Numbers, yeah. people calling to the houses, friends, disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. Disbelief in the community. Yeah. So you have to lay your dad to rest. What kind of a man was he? Paint a picture of Martin Mulligan for me. What was well, he like? He was kind, caring, loving, father with a captivating smile, a hearty laugh and such a good person. He put everybody before himself. Uh, he'd do anything for a laugh. He just slagging. All he did was slag everybody, and but in a good way, not in a mm. bad way. So it was just that, and a way that would make you feel comfortable and happy. He would make everything into a joke, even everything. Yeah, difficult situations or whatever, he yeah, was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. He loved his job, he loved yeah. his family. 
Yeah. Loved sport. He was a, a real all-rounder, all wasn't he? Really, yes. He's a real positive person and looked forward to the future. Even if I would be giving out about something, he'd say, Sean, come on. We're here. Mm. He's seen the positive in, in everything, everything, the good in everything. And the big thing was, he was always there for your mum and you girls. Yeah. Yes. Always there. Always there. And suddenly he's gone. Yeah. And you have to pick up these pieces and a lot of pieces to be picked up. Come back to that time if you if you both might and he's laid to rest and you have you're grieving and you have to pick up the pieces of your lives. And for the first year, a year after he died, there was nobody identified for this murder. How do you deal with that or what is that like? Well that was very hard. I just kept believing that hopefully they will find someone because I didn't want to live the rest of my life not knowing. Um, going into the marshes, going up the town, the paranoia that you have, you're talking to people, you think that, would they know anything? Do they have anything to do with it? It's just, it's terrible. It's really terrible. Do you become a little paranoia, you know, with people, you know, when you're in company or you're walking down the street or you meet people? Uh, yes, and it's sort of, you sort of don't want to go out then. You don't want to go out and see people. You don't want to be... You know, you're just afraid looking around saying, is it that person? Why is this person looking at me for that little bit longer? It just makes you not want to go out anywhere. And after a year, eventually, there is an arrest made. And this man is arrested. That's gone through the court system here and been sentenced and convicted of manslaughter, Joseph Hillen. How do you feel when you hear an arrest has been made and you get a name? I felt... I was like, please, hopefully this is it now. They will get something. There will be justice done for my dad. But it actually didn't turn out that it wasn't as easy as I... He always held that little bit of hope that justice was going to be done. They now have somebody, he's going to be arrested now for murder and that's the way it's going to be. But it just turned out to be completely different. And that he would tell the police everything. Actually, at the start, he just, no comment the whole way which was very hard and and we were thinking he was going to be let out and nothing was going to be able to be done and that the guards wouldn't have enough evidence. He denied it initially. Yeah. But then the evidence showed different. Yeah. So it comes round then to the court case, which we talked about a little bit earlier, and you as a family have to go there. What's it like when you walk in? Did you see, did you know this man? Did you have any idea of him when you go into court? you see him when you go into court? Was that the first time? That's the first time I've seen him, yeah. How did you feel? Blank. I didn't feel anything from him. I didn't feel hatred. I didn't feel anything. I just... Blank. That's what I felt. Generally, that's your mum and yourself. That would describe your feelings. Well, you do. You feel angry when you look at that person. That person is responsible for my dad not being here today. So, yes, I felt angry. Did you did you eyeball him in the court or did, did he know who you were? Obviously, he had to. He saw, your mum was given evidence. He saw you yeah. in the court as well. Was there any eye contact? Or he, he never lifted his head. He never lifted his head. He just stared straight in front of him at all time or just looked at the judge. He was obviously instructed to do that. Um, I would only glance over the odd time, very rare. But so you go through the the case and the evidence is heard and the outcome. We started. That's where we began the conversation with the outcome of this. Yeah. 
Your dad is gone. He's gone a few years now. Yeah. His birthday, Christmas, family occasions. We don't have a Christmas anymore. We cancelled Christmas from the first year. We didn't buy anyone presents. Me, Sean and my mum went to Spain for four days just to escape. Everyone having a great time and with spend times with our families. We couldn't do it. The next two years we went to the Ballymac just to get away and just there gone we went to Spain again. We just we can't face it. We can't face it. We can't face how everybody else is happy. Why shouldn't we be happy? We can't sit at the same table because my dad loved Christmas. He was a bigger child than us. Bigger child than us. And actually Santi was there for him every Christmas morning and he loved opening his presents and it used to be great fun. It's not anymore. Can you ever see that changing? Can you ever see time easing that pain that you can cope with it? Right now, no. Definitely not. No. No, I don't either. I don't know what to say. Like It's, it's, it's just horrendous. I often consider this in my mind at times. To lose somebody like this must be... The greatest loss of all, you know, to have somebody taken like this from you. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to think because my dad was fit and healthy. And to be honest, I just thought he was going to always be there. I didn't think that he was going to be gone, never mind the circumstances. Or gone so soon. He was a young man, wasn't he? A fit man, full of life. Yeah. Lots to give. Lots for the future to live for as well. Yourselves, your mum. Yeah. There's a grandchild, is there? I have a child, yeah. What age? Jay, he's two. He's just gone two. Yeah. He'll have no granddad? No. He has a granddad on the the other other side. On the other side, yes. But your dad? Yeah. He's not there. And he would have loved him. And Jay loves football. My dad loved football. They just would have had a great time together. And my dad loved kids. Really loved kids. Yeah. Because there's a young lad called Keen. Who's Keen? Tell me about Keen. Keen used to live next door to us when we lived in Marion Park. And his dad um, died when his mum was pregnant of um, sudden adult sy- syndrome. Yes. And <clears throat> Maeve was going back to work. So my mum minded him, say, three days a week so Maeve could go back to work. That's his mum. And him, Keen and my dad formed a really strong relationship which they still had until the day that he was taken away. He used to pick him up from school. He used to take him to football. He used to take him out in the lorry. He'd go down every Christmas as well to see them. He, that's the first Keen thing he'd do on Christmas morning. He would go down to see Keen and his brother, Daniel. So that's taken away from those lads as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure they were hit hard by this. They took it very hard. Yeah. How do you go on? I know you both, you're a child, you're working, you have your mum to think about as well. And, and come back to that, you were saying to me that your mum is nearly struggling more now since yeah, we what always, we would call closure of this has happened. Yeah, we always had something to to focus on. It was from the arrest, then it was to get in a court case. And then now that the court case is over, it's, it, it's nearly harder. It's nearly harder because... What do you focus on now? And especially with the outcome of the courts, it's just like a kick in the face. So, Yeah, there was always a little bit of hope. I always thought there'd be a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but 
that was just... So the manslaughter conviction and the length of the sentence, six years, one uh, knocked off at the end by the judge, has added to your great pain. Yes, and he has done two years in jail, so effectively he'll be out in two and a half years. With remission and the way that works, is yeah, it, with the, yeah. with the system? system, yeah. Like there is a chance that myself or anybody in my family could bump, bump into, into him. him or meet him somewhere. Will that be just the worst case scenario for you? Yeah. Oh, yes. Just yeah. to see that person out then living a normal life because he will when he comes out. Whereas we're still in the same situation that we... We'll have to leave the in. restaurant. We'll have to leave the shops. We'll have to leave the street. We'll have to... We'll always have to be the one to leave. So it feels like we're living a prison sentence and not him. So basically what you're saying to me, the victim and the victim's family continue to be victims forever. Yes. Yeah. Which doesn't sound right, does it? No. no, it doesn't sound right. Not at all. No. And something needs to change. Is that what you're calling for today? You wanted to come on here and just... And I thank you for it again. Tell us how you're feeling and what your deep feelings are. Is that what you want to see? Would you like to see change yeah we'd like to see change with the justice system if it doesn't change for us hopefully for somebody else in terms of the category of the sentence and the duration as well you're talking about both here yes does it pain you every day you know every day you wake is he on your mind all the time does it do you carry him with you everywhere every day constantly yeah and I used to get nightmares, Shona, you still get nightmares? Yeah. It's just constantly thinking of the night it happened. What if? What if? Little things had been different or changed. Yeah, and then you just sort of think of how he felt on the night. Could you leave anybody? I was thinking about this myself. I couldn't leave a bird on the side of the road injured. No, you couldn't. No, they left him there and he was there for a few minutes. Yeah. That haunts my mum. Haunts us all, I think. Yeah. And then even with the severity of his injuries and the image that you have in your head of that, it's very hard to um, not get it out of your mind. Mm -hmm. Do you know? Um, Like he had to drag himself a couple of feet and then it was too late. He bled to death at the end, yeah. How do you ever, or is there no such thing as recovery? Is that the bottom line? Is that what you're telling me today, that you you can never over this? Well, I can't see it. I can't see it right now. I can't see it. No, you never will. And you know the depth of feeling from your family, extended family, friends, community, everybody. I'm sure people listening to this today are just... That hinders so much um, of your thoughts for your future. Mm-hmm. You know, like like maybe getting married or yeah, you know, occasions like that. Special occasions, yeah. He won't be there. No. It's shocking, I have to say. It really is shocking. And you're two wonderful women, I have to say, to come here today and talk to me in the way you have, honestly, about the depth of your feeling and the love for your father, which will never ever change. No. All I can say is, I wish and I hope, pray someday. 
you'll be able to find peace in some way with your lives. Thank you. For the moment, Shauna and Sharon Mulligan, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank, thank you, Jerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Thank you so much for all your comments. Uh, what wonderful women they are. They really are. Sharon and Shauna talking about their dad, Martin Mulligan, there with me, top of the show. I'm really touched by them, I have to say, and obviously you are too, by the comments we're getting. Keep them coming to us, 086-1800-658, WhatsApp or text, or you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter or WhatsApp on the LMFM social media platforms, or if you'd like to call in, it's 1857-15958. Pauline's been on from Dundalk to say, Jerry, it's heartbreaking listening to Sharon and Shauna talk about their dad. Really well done, girls. Thinking of you both and your poor mum. Keep strong, says Pauline. By WhatsApp, Jerry, listening to those poor daughters, it's so sad. The justice system in this country needs to change. Six years for a life, regardless of murder or manslaughter, it's a complete joke, adding insult and added stress to this poor family. Another one, to lose a dad is hard enough, but to lose your dad through murder must be horrendous says a listener I do clarify that the sentence actually became manslaughter it was a manslaughter conviction and that was handed down there just to clarify that again as well now last Friday on late lunch Sandra Finnegan was with us for a regular travel slot and uh, she made some great recommendations and brought us some brilliant offers and talked. Oh, sure she could talk a book about travel, Sandra. Anyway, in the course of the messages coming to us, we got a message from, it turned out to be, Barbara Riley. We didn't know who it was, saying had Sandra a recommendation for a couple who'd never been outside Ireland on their holidays. Barbara, never out of the country before in your life. Never, Jerry. I don't uh, possess a passport, a driver's license, I have no photo ID. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. So yourself and William have never, you, never been away. You, you holidayed in Ireland, I take it, yes? Uh, we did, yeah. We would go to Galway or Limerick or Salt Hill, Clare. We went down the country, but never out of the country. Never. Never before. And of course you're a busy woman and a busy household. How many children have you? We have five kids and we have six grandkids. Okay, so you had five children in your time. So, look, I'll tell you one thing. It takes a lot to run a house of five children and make ends meet and get on holidays as well. So, you are going to make the big break, I believe, after all these years, yes? I am indeed, yes. Uh, Our kids clubbed together there at Christmas and they got a voucher to go on the sun holiday. Okay. So, uh, like I said, like the ad on the tally, this is it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, at last, and I take it then, obviously, I better think about this, you've never been on an aeroplane before? I've never been to an airport. <laughs> <laughs> and never mind on a plane, Barbara, in the name of God. Would you be concerned about flying at all? I'd be a bit anxious now about it, you know the way, but... Uh, yeah. Of course you will, and you won't even think about it. So you've got the gift from the children. They said, here, Mum and Dad, we want you at long last to go somewhere and go abroad and enjoy a holiday. Where are you thinking? I know Sandra made a couple of suggestions to you the other day. Have you your mind fixed on anywhere? Uh, Not really, no. I always said that, well, a cruise. I'd like to do a cruise. Right. Uh, But... 
I've nowhere in particular in my mind, like, you know, that's why I was asking Sandra yeah. to recommend, especially with first time flying, like something that's not too far away, maybe two and a half, three hours. Yeah. Uh, just like an Irish summer, nice weather. Mm. That's it. You know, good night life. Okay, so <laughs> of course, enjoy the the local hospitality as well. So you, exactly. you know, in particular, cruise is sort of on your mind, perhaps, and you're going to fly somewhere. I presume nice sunshine and good weather and that as well. Europe, you're talking about somewhere in Europe, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you're still you're still mulling it over. You haven't just put the pin in the travel brochure yet and said we're going there. No, 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 not exactly. Okay. No. Well, look at it. I just wanted to say hello to you because we didn't realise who you were. Then we found her. I said, I have to have a quick word with her. She must be all excited. She has the voucher now. She better use it and go somewhere. So, look, I'm saying to you today, Barbara, when you yeah. do and you go and you come back, will you give us a shout? I will, Charlie, Jerry. And tell no us problem. where you've been. Touch base with us. You know where we are. And we'll have a chat and we'll find out what your first experience is like of leaving the motherland. Is that Okay. I'll send you a postcard. Oh, yeah. I love the postcards. Good woman yourself. Send me a postcard. I'll treasure it and I'll put it up on the office and we'll leave it there for ages. That is a great idea. Barbara, thanks for taking our call. I appreciate it. Jerry, just before we go, can yeah. I just uh, wish my son, uh, he's after open, starting his own business, um, it's Riley Kitchens. Yes. Uh, he's running a competition, actually, at this minute now on uh, his Facebook page. Uh, I just would like to wish him the very best. And I'll uh, wish him the very best as well, because anyone, anyone starting out on the road in their own business, I really have great admiration for them. And what's his first name? Graham Riley. Lovely. Great stuff. We wish him well with the Riley Kitchens business. Thank you, Barbara. All right, Jerry. Thank Take you Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Nice to talk to you this afternoon on Late Lunch. Anybody else out there listening today who hasn't been out of the country on a holiday, never been away? Is there anybody who hasn't been on a holiday? Never know anyone, Louise, that never went on a holiday, never went anywhere. I'm sure there's loads about. I know my own mother has only been to London for a weekend in her whole life, and that was over to see my um, sister when she was in college in the 80s. And I think herself and my uncle and aunt went over, and they'd never been abroad before. And I think getting on an escalator was a challenge back then. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic to think, you know, that they're, you know, and, and you know as well, I suppose never bothered them. It didn't deprive them of anything. They never felt like that, did they? No, it should, they never really knew any different. Back yeah. then, I suppose you went to your aunties for your holidays and that mm. was it. <laughs> and some went and didn't stay too long and headed back. I could <laughs> tell you stories about that as well. But look, if you're listening today and you haven't been abroad or never been away, maybe never away from where you live or that, let us know. I'd like to hear that many people who've never travelled outside of Ireland at all in their lives. A lot of people travel today. It's been made much easier. It's cheaper, thanks to Ryanair and the low-cost airlines and more affluence in the country as well. Thank God we had a taste of it and it went away and it's sort of back now in a sort of a way. So, you know, all that has helped, I'm sure. And our perspective as Irish people, we've always emigrated. We've had to emigrate for work to America, to Australia, to Britain, to Europe. That's always been the case. We've been an outward-looking people. But yet there are people who've lived long, happy, contented lives in their communities, in their parishes, and never, ever bothered with going abroad. I'm sure there are a lot of people like that as well. Or rather, 
Well, we throw it out there and see what happens. Don't forget, give us a shout. 1850 If you want to call in to us, or 086-1800-658. WhatsApp, text and the social media plethora of platforms that you can contact us. Don't know about you, but I have to say I love me cup of tea. I really do. I drink a lot of tea in here during the day. Sure, Louise is a pain in her backside going down to the kitchen making tea for me. Sure, anytime she goes down, I'll have a cup of But I do honestly love tea. And when we heard about a tea shop in Limerick that's 150 years old and sells 140 different types of tea that's run by a woman who's been there since she's a child and it's in our family for 100 years. Sure, I only had to have a word with her. Eleanor Purcell, good afternoon. Afternoon. Hello, Jerry Kelly. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well, Jerry. Thank you. Very well. Thanks for joining me. I love you. I love your shop. And oh my God, I am so impressed. 140 types. Not a tea bag. I take it inside, Eleanor. No, no tea bags. We're we're pulling away, Jerry, from tea bags, and we're trying to encourage people to pull away from tea bags because if you can. Give yourself just a few minutes to make a pot of tea, to sit down, and the next bit is important. Relax and enjoy it. That cup of tea will stand to you for the whole day. Running around with a tea bag in a mug, where are we all running to? Because the having of tea, when I was, now I'm not in the first flush of youth, but when I was a child and the neighbours would come in at home to my mother, there was a pot of tea made and the whole afternoon would go in talking and just having a nice time over a cup of tea. It is one of the nicest lubricators of stories and and uh, just to relax. A cup of tea is the man. You are so right. And I, I'm going to go back to it. I did, uh, I think it was last year here on the show, I turned to tea bags and I used them for a while. And I have to say, it was absolutely lovely. And you've just rekindled that with me again. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to get my uh, loose tea again and start it. I promise you that. Now, while you're on, point me in the right direction. How do you make a perfect cup of tea? What's the drill? Very easy. You have a teapot. Let it be glass. Let it be chinaware, you know, ceramic, or let it be metal. The first thing you have to do is make sure your teapot is rinsed out. Now, not washed, not clean, because tea is tea creates its own little world inside of the teapot. Mm. Have it rinsed out and then scald your pot with boiling water. Very important. Okay. Because when the tea leaves go into the pot, you want to have their initial contact to be warm. What you want to do is release the oil that's in the tea and the flavours. And then with your kettle boiling, pour the boiling water over the tea and let it draw for between three and five minutes. Okay. Now, I know a lot of people these days, you know, living is different and maybe they don't have anywhere to dispose the tea leaves, you know, to kind of throw the tea leaves out the door. But if you have a little infuser, a small little strainer, you can put your tea leaves into that and pour the water over that. And then when you're finished, just tip that into the bin or tip it out under the rose beds. Roses love tea. <laughs> they do. And there are tea roses. We know that as well. And it's very good for them. Or you can compost it as well. There's lots of way, ways of and, using it. But yeah. that time, three to five minutes, as you say, settle down, relax, let it brew. Would you give it a stir before you pour? You can give it a stir when, when, before you pour it out. 
but by stirring it, you'll you'll wake up the leaves, and they'll be then they'll be present in the water. If you leave it secular, as you pour out your tea, you'll reduce the number of tea leaves coming out into your cup. Aye, I'm... which this far and against that. Yeah. Do you ever remember anyone reading your tea leaves? Yes. Well, now if we could only bring back the old Irish tea ceremony, we have mm. all kinds of tea ceremonies. Uh, Chinese ones for weddings and Japanese ones for respect. Well, Ireland had the best tea ceremony of all. And it was based around sitting down, relaxing, and then when the cup was empty, looking in at the tea leaves, and there was somebody always there who could read them and tell your fortune. My father, Brendan, used to always do that. He'd look in the cup and he'd say something about what was in the cup. Now, he was an amateur at it, but he did it, and that was a sort of a ritual with him. But you know something? Can I tell you this, Eleanor? A few years ago on this show, I had a lady come in to me and she was a tea leaf reader, and she was fascinating. Oh, it is. It's, it's, it's now like any. I'm not. Uh, I don't know about telling the future, but I think tea leaves are as good as anything else to tell it with. <laughs> you just have to take it as it comes. <laughs> One last question: Milk in after the tea is poured into the cup. Now, I'm a bit of a problem when we're talking about milking because I personally don't use milk at all. Right. Now, the tradition of using milk originated when long ago porcelain cups, china teacups, the, the, the very hot tea might crack the cup. So for that reason, the milk was poured in first mm. to prevent the cup from cracking. But it's of if you like milk in your tea, and 99.9% of Irish people do, it doesn't really matter, I suppose, to to let the milk heat with the tea, if you know what I mean. So yep. if you're not cooling your tea, you're as well to put the milk in first. Okay. But really, if we could, if let the range of flavours in teas, the range of delight there is, for, and, and the differences are so acute when you taste the tea without milk or sugar, for that matter. Yeah. And you Tea journey has expanded now from, we say, the Irish breakfast that we all know. It has now flavoured teas, teas that are made in 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 after they're grown that are that are produced in different ways. There's a there's a great variety of flavours and a great interest in flavours. Green tea in Ireland has become very. Um, very popular. You see, there is a great resurgence of interest in tea. Mm. People are tired of the tea bags. And tea gives you an opportunity to have a lovely drink in this day and age. We have to be very careful in the evenings of what we drink. You can't go out on the roads. And instead of having, you know, a wine or whatever in the evenings, if you have a variety of different teas and you decide to make one in the evenings and appreciate it and enjoy it, because there's... The, a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. 
You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As I say, there is a whole world of flavours. Do you know something? I'm going to put the Healy Rays in touch with you. You're dead right. Tell them, boys, don't be worried about the night after, or the morning after the night before. Have a cup of tea, Michael and Danny. That's the message you should be preaching to people. Now, tell me this. Tea, I remember tea, Ceylon, Sri Lanka, as it's known now, Indian tea, Chinese tea, from Africa as well. What's your favourite tea? I I always favour Ceylon tea. That's what is now Sri Lanka. Right. Um, I suppose traditionally, like going back a hundred years when tea was a very, um, it was always very, uh, it was, first of all, it was expensive. And then it was very carefully minded in houses. But a strong tea from India, Assam, would have been the preferred breakfast tea. But then in the afternoons, if people had, um, you know, around four or five o'clock or in the evenings, they wanted to have tea. The teas from Salon are lighter and more... There's a great pick-me-up in a, in a Salon tea. Mm. Oh, um, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look for it now. You've even guided me in another direction. Tell us this, the shop, 150 years there in Limerick. It's an absolute landmark, I know. Your family, round about the century in it as well. And you were there since you were a child. Well, we were always going, when, in my childhood, which is going back to the 60s, Jerry, if you had a shop, everybody was dragooned in to work at some stage. <laughs> yes. Um, we didn't live in the city, but we were always, we were always brought to town, and then we'd have our jobs in the shop. At that time, the shop was uh, primarily a tobacco shop. And for your listeners, I, we, Cattle Shop always had a great um, link with County Louth, because Cattle's tobacco factory mm. was in Dundalk mm. and I remember my father with a big expedition to bring us up to Dundalk to Carl's once every couple of years to meet the people who you know made the tobacco yes so because the shop was primarily tobacco now we still do sell pipe tobacco and cigars but it's um you know, the popularity of pipes has dwindled, has lessened, and the whole, reg- you know, there's a lot of regulation now yes. attached to tobacco shops. So for that reason, we don't sell cigarettes anymore. But we we have, we're, we've augmented our business now with by expanding our range of tea. And we also um, are recommending that all men take their time shaving and get themselves a shaving brush and go easy when they're shaving in the mornings. It's that's question, you know, it's all part of the pipe, you know, just to yes. kind of relax. That whatever you're doing, you kind of take your time and relax and do it easy. 
And maybe that's why Cahill's has lasted the test of time. 150 years, we're the oldest shop now still trading in the city. Isn't that and just marvellous? I think everybody knows Limerick, and of course they don't. But now you can look, everybody now has to go online for everything. Mm. So if any of you listeners do want our tea, we have a website. It's just com, And then we have to re- we reach out to the whole world from, you know, Drogheda now to to Dubai, yes. we have customers, please God, <laughs> because it's as easy to send it. You know, we, we, we post the tea now really all over the world. It's brilliant. com is the website, folks. Listen, Eleanor, I'm going to talk to you again on the show. I have to leave it there for today, but I want to come back to you because I know you sell snuff as well, don't you there? We're going to come back on this another day with you we'll and more about the tea. Is no, that all right? Different conversation Different, altogether. different. Great, great. I have an, that, I'm, I'm building uh, the running order for next week or the week after. We'll be back to you, Eleanor Parcel. Enjoy the cuppa. Thank you, Jerry, And I'll send you up a bag of tea now to start you off on your teapot. God bless you. I appreciate Good it. Look. Talk to you soon. Take care Thank of yourself. You bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't that just a lovely woman? Lovely, lovely woman. Eleanor Parcel. I will come back on the snuff. I'm determined to. I want to talk about it. I know the snuffers out there listening to us today as well. I'm sure they'd be interested to hear what Eleanor has to say. I'm away on the real tea. I promise you. Anyway. Next stop for late lunch this afternoon is the Monaster Boys Inn. It's Dunnigan's. Am I going for a steak? Would I love a scampi? You bet your life I would. But I'm there for something else. You'll have to stay with us to find out what it is. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. I'm in the Monaster Boys Inn just outside Drogheda, Dunnigan's as it's better known, and I'm not here for the beautiful scampi today. I'm here on a particular mission because the Monaster Boys Inn has been acknowledged, and they've been acknowledged for something that we've been talking about on late lunch, and we're going to talk about right through 2019, is being more environmentally aware, doing your business better, being better for the environment, the world. And I'm joined today by Roseanne Dunnigan and Carol Murphy, who's with me as well. Roseanne, thank you for inviting me out, and congratulations on the nomination. Thank you, Jerry. You're very welcome. We're always delighted to have you here. Now, explain to me what you've been nominated for and why. Um, Energy efficiency and design by uh, the Council and Community Awards and by the Small Firms Association. And this project kicked off when? Back in 2017? Yeah, we started the build about March 17 and we finished about September. And all the way through we were doing it with consciousness of the environment and, you know, climate change. Energy efficiency design criteria was used throughout the build. Now, we are standing here in this beautiful new extension, and that's what you're talking about here. You really have added substantially to the Monaster Boys Inn, and I know it's a very, very busy place here. So with the new build, you decided to look at the overall way you use your energy and the way you handle it. Yeah, exactly. Like, all down through the years we've been trading here, just plugging into the power systems that are either getting the gas man to deliver or the oil man to deliver. And we just feel now that it's really not good enough to trade just using energy willy-nilly. So we looked into all of the new innovations that are available on the market at the moment. And Jerry from Eurotech was really key in this. He, had, he has great um, equipment and he enabled us to make our savings in the energy use. So Eurotech are the suppliers of the newfangled technology to you uh, that you're employing here? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We've 
put pipes in underneath the stream and we use heat pumps and a horizontal table. Now, obviously, in a place like this, I can imagine you have a lot going on and you have a lot of side product or waste. You'll have your bottles, you'll have your plastics, you have paper, you have food waste as well. You did go down this road a little bit, but turn back. This is our our second shot at it, actually. Previously, what we did was we saved all our food waste and put it into a gigantic composter, like the size of a truck, maybe. And it kind of rotated for about five weeks inside this unit. And it came out as compost. And then the theory was that we were to briquette the compost and then use that to burn to make kilowatts of heat in a special type of boiler. We tried and tried for a couple of years here, but um, it just wouldn't work. The moisture content was too high in the food waste. It's a few years on from that now, and you're certainly heading down a road that's yielding results already, and I'm going to come back to that. Let me talk to Carol Murphy here, who's your man. You are the man. I'm the man. (laughs) (laughs) Charged with implementing this and rolling it along and uh, pushing it out into the future. Now, we stand here in the two new buildings that have been added on here. For example, what's happening here that's new and energy efficient? At the moment, uh, we have a large atrium over our heads, which lets daylight in. So all our lights are set on lux level settings. So we set the lux level for the room that's adequate for the day, for dining or whatever's on corporate event. And as the sun shines in the window, it drops or increases or decreases the energy going to the light to make sure the lux level stays as we require. Isn't that brilliant? The intelligence in that alone and the savings. Yeah, it's all smart controls. The lighting is smart controls by full view. Uh, in Drogheda, they come up with all this system. There's no switches, everything's on an iPad or on a phone. Technology, yeah. the latest technology in operation here. It is, surely, yeah. Now, a place like this, obviously you're plugged into the national grid for your electricity with a provider and you have gas, as uh, Roseanne mentioned there as well. So what's the premise behind this? Is the idea with the new technology and what you've implemented here to save on both of those? It is, yeah, we're harnessing natural energy from the river, from the atmosphere and from the extract fans leaving the kitchen. And with smart controls by Eurotech and uh, Jerry, all the energy has been harnessed and utilised in a different way. It's all about remembering that energy can't be created nor destroyed. So you're just moving it from one place to the other. So we're taking it from the river and moving it and putting it into the room or vice versa. So, And you talk about this stream because there is a stream outside here and we're going to go out and have a look at that at the moment. But something you mentioned there, your kitchens. I can only imagine the energy in those kitchens and the heat. Yeah, the heat. When we actually put the, 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 the table over the extract fan to harness the, the energy leaving it or the heat leaving it, it was actually too much for the heat pump. So we had to get size up the heat pump because of the amount. But the kitchen, the extract fans from the kitchen are heating all our hot water on site. So there you are, something that wouldn't have happened in the past, that would just be lost. Lost, yeah, thrown out into the atmosphere. And that, of course, then in turn is saving you on the electricity or gas side. It is, yeah. We're already seeing savings increased our footprint by 41%. Our turnover is up 10%, but yet our uh, utility bills are down 1.3%. So you have more space here, you've created more areas for dining and functions, etc. Your footfall, as Carol said there, is up, and yet the overall bill for the entire place here, old and new, is down. It's down by 1.3%, which is a real achievement. You know, and, and this is only the start. We hope to do more energy efficiency 
throughout the building as we, as we carry on. And like, you think that'll be better as well because you were telling me earlier that uh, there was a little blip when you were implementing this as well. You expect over the next 12 months to see even more savings. Yeah, yeah. And as we we ourselves get more efficient with the whole, you know, the whole unit and using it properly. You know yourself, when you put something mm-hmm. in new first, you've got to learn to, you know, how to use it to its best ability, really, you mm. know. This is all good news, isn't it, all the way? We better step outside here, will we, and leave the new buildings and walk outside. What are we going outside here, Carol, to look at? We'll have a quick look at the river and just see how it flows. We won't be able to see the pipes. We'll look at the humidity table, which has taken the energy out of the atmosphere. And we also look at the energy table on the roof, which is the extract fans from the kitchen. OK, let's move along and have a look at these. Yes, we're in the Monaster Boys in Dunnigan's today. They've been nominated for an award for their energy efficiency and becoming greener. And I'm out here today having a look at everything. Look at those lights going on as we walk out there. It just picks us up and on they come. So we're out here on a crisp afternoon for sure. Tell me about the river that flows here. What river is it? It starts up in Pleasure Hill and it flows right down and it reaches the Mattock just at the end of the, the new line. We, we actually have seen eels coming back up the river up to this point. I was nearly going to say to you, you probably have a run of sea trout because the sea trout and the boyne run up the mattock and who knows, you could have fresh trout running in menu, here for yeah. the, on the menu <laughs> yeah. in the restaurant here uh, from this stream. So here we are at the stream. We're looking down here now and there's a nice flow naturally uh, at this time of year in the river there. What happened with the river here? I don't see anything visible. I just see a stream here flowing away. As part of the new build, we had to divert the stream anyway because it would have ran under the new function room. So while diverting it, we said we'll reroute it around the building. comes to a point where it opens up on a bend, so we open up the whole river. We laid the one kilometre of pipes underneath, but then a new uh, pea gravel base, and then the water literally flows across the top. But it constantly keeps uh, a level of water around the pipes at all times. So there's piping beneath this redirected stream here now. A lot of piping. Yeah, a kilometre of piping, which a glucon, an antifreeze, runs through and comes back into our plant room and the energy is transferred then into the, the heat pumps. So that piping is extracting what from the river? And I'm sure it's different winter to summer. Yeah. That's very cold at the moment. Yeah, in the summer we extract the cooling, so it's used to cool the function room. And in the winter we extract the heat because the river is actually two or three degrees warmer than, than the day. Yes. We, 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 we harness that energy and so bring it into the heat pump. So that's interesting, isn't yeah. it? It's the opposite to what I would have suspected yeah. there, winter and summer. So you're really doing the opposite and you're harnessing that energy. So I can't see it here, but the piping is below this here. Yep. Now, where does it go back to? It comes back to our plant room. We can walk So will we take here. a walk yeah. there? My God, Roseanne, I have to say, you're ahead of the posse with all this, aren't you? It is, it is very innovative and there are others around that have you know have pipe you know have laid pipes underneath their streams but they're kind of few and far between so we were delighted to go ahead with this yeah obviously this has been on your mind for a while you know what i mean to do this because you're leading the way so to say aren't you yeah but i think it's really really important to respect the environment mm. and we've got to do you know whatever whatever we can to try and you know stop the use of finite energy you know like oil and gas and the gas is so dirty on the environment with the fumes and everything so this this has been an absolute dream now it has been expensive mm. 
but uh, hopefully if we keep moving, if we keep going along, we'll be able to withstand it. Yeah, and the returns over a period of time, this is not for the short term, it's a long term investment. Yeah, yeah, long term, yeah. Okay, Carol, here we are. Explain to me what I'm looking at here. This really looks very impressive. Yeah, we're standing, we're looking at three large Oshnor uh, heat pumps. We're looking at three, four storage tanks. One of the heat pumps is cooling the building. One of the heat pumps is the heating for the building. And then the other heat pump is the heating for the hot water. And then the storage tanks for all three. We also, there's a small little heat pump in front of us. And that kind of adds the cream to the top of the cake. This room generates its own energy because the machines are constantly going small uh, pumps and stuff. And that energy then, the heat in the room is taken back into the system by this small Oshner heat pump that we have. So even the energy the system creates itself is harnessed and brought back into the system. So absolutely nothing is wasted and everything is recycled? Everything is recycled. In the uh, main building there where people are eating and you have functions on and training courses, etc., etc., and it's busy there, every bit of energy expended in those rooms is captured? It is. When the room fills up, every eight people is a radiator and a lot of energy is created and a lot of heat. The system starts cooling, so it takes the the cooling out of the river, the glycon running through the pipes in the river, comes in. It actually runs directly into the room and small fans blow through the piping and cool the air. But at the same time, the piping is warming up, so it's taking the energy of the people back out of the room. And before it heads back to the river, it's dumping it into one of the tanks where the heat pump is using it to actually heat the hot water in the building so every small piece of energy has been used so if i go in there for a meal i'm yeah. helping the You're environment to heat the water yeah isn't that great to think of, think of it in those terms absolutely yeah so if you're environmentally conscious come to dunnigan's for your dinner <laughs> <laughs> my god you have it sussed out roseanne dunnigan that is for sure i'm so impressed i have to say yeah it's it's brilliant and then it's all the controls the system itself it determines what system to use whether the river the humidity table or the energy from the kitchen depending on the weather of the day so it's it's constantly working in the background itself and updating itself it actually gets more knowledgeable as the system goes on so it it works out how we use the rooms and what's the most efficient way for it to heat or cool the room Fantastic. It's just absolutely brilliant. Again, I say I am so impressed and it's wonderful to see this here and look at it firsthand for myself. Now, have we somewhere else to go before we finish? We look at the humidity table, energy table, just beside the plant room. Okay, so here we are. What is this? Explain. This is an energy table. We're actually lucky at the moment because I don't know if you can hear the fans, but it's actually working at the moment. Oh, we can hear them. Listen, listen. We certainly can. So it's... It's taking the humidity out of the air. Even Ireland's a damp climate, so it's only a small degree of humidity, but it's taking that energy and it's directing it directly into the plant room and using it. So it's sucking in the air, it's taking the humidity out of it, and it's dumping the water underneath. You see underneath the table, it's all there's a small drain. It's all Yeah, wet. I see it there. I see so it. So when it takes the energy out, out of the air, it's all you're left with then is water because the heat has gone so the energy has gone into the plant room so even on a cold day today low temperatures this is working away it's working away it's taking energy maybe a minute two three degrees of energy but then the heat pumps compress it and it creates more multiplies it by five so it creates the energy then how would that work summertime in the summertime it's drier so in the summertime it'll probably switch to the river because the river is three degrees oh so I see what you do here even more intelligence if you're not taking it free from the atmosphere here 
the stream kicks in. Yeah, and the stream is constantly renewing itself. So once you take the energy out of the stream, the water flows by, so it's new water coming, so it's new energy. It's constant, never stops. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. My word, wouldn't Paddy and Olivia Donegan just be so proud? Yeah, I hope so, yeah. Yeah. I'd say so, yeah. Oh, they would indeed. You're moving it on to another level entirely. It's just fantastic. Show you one more pump, uh, one more extract fan on the roof that actually is taking the energy of the extract fans in the kitchen. So if you look up on the flat roof, you see a small nostril. Oh, I see it there, yeah. It's the same idea as the energy table. It's small radiator over the extract fan so as the air is pumped out of the kitchen it takes the heat out of the air inside the heat pump and creates energy creates all the heat in there so again you're letting nothing away it's taking that energy up there and you recapture it and use it again well listen it's been fantastic to be out here with you today and having a look at all this i wish you well when are the awards uh, the 7th of february and the 9th of march one's in croke park and the other's in the rds Great. Well, look at it. I wish you all the very best here at uh, Donegan's The Monaster Boys Inn. It is fantastic. No, thank you for inviting me out today. This really has been eye-opening, Carol. Thanks a million for the tour of the place. And again, we wish you well, and we'll keep in touch, and let's hope you bring home the bacon. Oh, please, God, be great. Please, God, you will. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. If you're involved with the Drogheda Alzheimer's Support Group, just to let you know, there's no meeting tonight in Drogheda due to unforeseen circumstances. So no Drogheda Alzheimer's Support Group meeting this very evening. Hi, Jerry. My heart goes out to those girls. That, that's a message coming to us from Caroline and Navin about Sean and uh, Sharon Mulligan, who spoke to us at the start of the show uh, about their dad, Martin. Uh, Carol goes on to say uh, that I'm another one who's never been outside of Ireland. I went to Bundoran a few times. I'm a home board. But I wouldn't say no to a pamper voucher if you have any. Ha, 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 says Carol. Well, you never know. You might be lucky and win one sometime here on LMFM Radio. Carol, hi, Jerry. This comes in from Mary Clifford. Uh, just to say, my late mum and dad were never out of Ireland. Never on a plane, boat or train. When they were courting, they went to Bundoran, another Bundoran fan there, with a few others, but came back the same day. They went on honeymoon to Wicklow and stayed with dad's sister. They seemed so contented with their lot. Uh, excuse me, with their lot, their children and their card games, which they loved in latter years. Thanks for that comment, Mary, this afternoon to us on Late Lunch. Back to Martin Mulligan and uh, our interview at the top of the show with Sean and Sharon. Martin's sister, Imelda Callan, has been on to us and she just wanted to add to what Sean and Sharon had to say. Uh, she says uh, Joseph Hillen, who was convicted of manslaughter and will serve six years, maintained it was self-defence. They parked Martin's car, threw his keys into a field. His phone wasn't found and it was proved that he had used his phone and he had it with him for a previous fare. He was left, Jerry, to bleed to death. If it was self-defence, why was no ambulance called or any kind of help? 
He was left no, with no phone, no keys, and no car. This was all stated in court, and we're happy to mention that, uh, Imelda, this afternoon on the show. Thank you for getting in touch with us, and we're thinking of all of you today. Next port of call on an international late lunch this afternoon is East Africa and Tanzania. And I'm joined on the line by Tomas Makantir. Good afternoon, Tomas. Thanks for taking our call this long distance away. What are you doing in Tanzania? Uh, I'm on a, a beginning of a, of a cycle trip from um, north to South Africa. So I'm, I, I left Egypt a few months ago and I'm about halfway down now in Tanzania and I, I'm heading down south to, uh, to finish up in Cape Town in South Africa. So from north to south on the African continent on a bike, my word. And you're raising funds, yes? Yeah, yeah I'm raising funds for the Donald Walsh of Life Foundation. Um, so I've about 11,500 raised today. So that aspect of it is going is going brilliant as well. So but the whole trip in general really has been has been a one to be honest um, beyond my wildest dreams. So I'll struggle to get a flight home now. I think because I don't know what I ever want to you know leave this continent after what I've experienced so far. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, you can worry about that when you get down to the tip of the continent there, <laughs> and 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 going through all the different countries on the way down. Have you? Experienced any difficulties in getting by on your two-wheeled cycle? Yeah. In Egypt, the police like to control everything um, because they're just super, super paranoid about your safety. Um, So I had police escorts the whole way down and they were calling the embassy to find out where I was, etc. Sudan was just heaven on on earth, to be honest, and that might surprise a lot of people, judging by its reception in the Western world. But anyhow, the people there are lovely. And then Ethiopia, you were going from Sudan into Ethiopia, you went from heaven into hell, really, because you're just stoned every day and people just being really aggressive towards you. I had numerous adults trying to you know, push punch me off the bike and stuff. So you had to keep your wits about you. But the rest of it then really has gone kind of gone fine. Just some nervy moments of traffic, but that's just you get that anywhere you go, really. So um, yeah. now it's just the heat, really, and the wind. Mm. About thirty-three degrees most days, thirty-five, and then you, it's very windy at the moment where I am. Lots of strong crosswinds and just the humidity as well. So. Mm. And I'm barely averaging about 100 kilometers a day now just because it's too hot to cycle, basically. So, um, and are you on your own? Uh, yeah. Um, I've met other cyclists for bits and bobs of it, but for the majority of it, I'm on my own. But, I mean, you don't really ever feel alone because you're just meeting locals. Because, I mean, you know, you're you're on a bicycle, so the locals take great interest in you. Um, so people are constantly, like, shouting at you, saying hello, and they're coming up to you, greeting, greeting you and stuff. Or else they'll just come up and the whole village will come around you as you eat or have a beer or a cold drink or whatever. And literally, they'll just stand around you and they'll just stare at you. They won't open their mouth, but they're just so, you know, interested in myself and the bike. And any any touring cyclist or really any tourist who, who comes through, because most of the tourists would drive straight through these villages that I stop at to get food and water and stuff. Um, so it's, just, it's, it's unusual for them, really, but... Mm. Most of them now have been. You, know, you can have even despite the language barriers. You know, you can you can get your pint across, and you can have the crack with them and stuff as well. So mm. um, yeah, that aspect of it is almighty as well. Which brings me to the point of this conversation. People are probably saying, "What are you doing talking to a Kerry man in Tanzania?" Uh, this afternoon from County Louth. Well, there is a reason for this conversation because you mentioned you you stop and talk to people. You came across this guy called Good Luck Amandi yesterday, and he was wearing something synonymous with the North East here. <laughs> he was. 
it has to be one of the highlights of the tour. Uh, so I was just cycling out in the middle of nowhere, and I come across these two fellas walking against me. And you know, as I kind of got closer, I kind of noticed the stripes. So I, I guess it was a sports jersey. Mm. And then as I got closer and closer, I was like, Christ, not a chance of hell is that what I think it is? And uh, as I passed him, I took a good look at him, and I saw clearly the O'Neills written across the top of it. Now, I didn't get to see what the badge was or anything, but I, I knew straight away it was a GA jersey. So I pedaled maybe another 20 or 30 metres up the road, and I was like, Christ, I was like, I have to go back and ask him where he got it from or whatever, you know? So I, I turned the bike around and I went back to him, but unfortunately he hadn't a word of English. And I, my Swahili is only very, very basic, down to hello, how are you and stuff. So there was no talk in between the two, but I tried to explain to him I was from Ireland and... You know, the lout was like, you know, the, the, the jersey he was wearing was an Irish GA jersey. So he couldn't understand me at all. So uh, I asked him for a photograph and he said, yeah, to that. So, and that's where I all kind of kicked off for him. But yeah, his name was Good Luck. And apparently he had trials with Nave Martin, I think. Yeah, Nave Martin had uh, the name uh, of the club. Nave Martin, Martin in Monaster yeah. Boys in Louth. He actually had a trial with Nave uh, Martin. Yeah, well, that's what just some local loud fella, uh, he messaged me and that's what he said. Um, I don't know, someone else can verify all that information, but, I mean, it, it explains why he has a jersey out here in Tanzania anyway, because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he, he got it from someplace. Um, but, yeah, it was a nice stroke of luck, really. So. But it's just a shame, you know, neither of us could speak each other's language, because I'd love to have actually, I should have broken out Google Translate in hindsight, but like I said, it was just so hot. Mm. And once you stop, the heat just gets to you. So I just, I just got back on my bike and I took off again. But um, yeah, it was a nice story now from the day, I must say. Yeah, but can I say to you, um, Tomas, the picture speaks a thousand words because Good Luck is wearing a loud shirt. He is a red, loud GAA county shirt. And we had a trial, we know, or played for a time with Nave Martin. He was obviously in Ireland. But the picture actually is what caught our attention when you posted it on Facebook. We spotted it and said, oh my God, here's, here's something we want to find out a little bit more about. So, so subsequently... Some people have been in touch with you to tell you a little more about him, yes. Yeah, just that he that he had trials with, with Nate yeah. Martin and that um, for some reason, I don't know, something about the Tanzanian government wouldn't let him stay. I, I don't know anything about that, but um, that's the gist of it from what I got. Yeah, I mean, the picture's gone pretty much mini-viral now. Um, my phone's been buzzing all day, so I have all these loud people now retweeting and, and messaging and commenting on it. So I have a nice following from there now for the, for the rest of the trip, I'd say. Thank God you turned that bike around and took that photograph. We're delighted, yeah. I have to tell you, that you did because it's a, a lovely wee yeah. story. Just back to you and this cycle and raising the money and doing it by yourself. Do you just play it by ear as to where you stay each night? Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Uh, I mean, luckily enough now, since I left Uganda, uh, the capital of Kampala, with, uh, I think it was around the 5th or 6th of January, this is, I think, now my girlfriend came to visit me for two weeks in Kenya, so I'm not including that, but from the cycling part, uh, this is like, I think, only the sixth night I've paid for accommodation since I left Kampala. I, I just had places to stay between local people and Irish people. So, I mean, yeah, I spend the days by myself cycling, but like I said, you stop off in these villages and you chat away to the locals or whatever. But, you know, I, I've had company now for, for the rest of Tanzania. Um, I've nobody now until there, I think. Mm. I've been meeting the Irish ambassador because I've been meeting them on the way down. But no, I mean, honest to God, Africa is just an amazing continent. So you know, I, I would highly recommend anybody who hasn't visited here to visit here at some stage in their life because it really is worth visiting. 
Two quick things before we finish up. What do you do for a living? Are, are you on a career break or how are you finding the time to do this? Um, I'm kind of, like, yeah, I'm stuck in a rough really because I, I did a, a college course in NUIG and I had hoped to go on to do teaching and I just kind of, I shelved that plan for now. So at the moment I'm, I'm living down in a place called Valley Farther, eight miles west of Ingles, and we have a family pub down there called Tick and Tearsig. And then, so I worked there, and then my uncle and I, we do cycling tours based out of Clarny, also in Kerry as well. Um, so I'm kind of a, I do tour guiding as well on, on bicycles, so it's kind of my living as well, on top of just being my, my favourite hobby as well, so... Mm, mm, brilliant 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 and the other thing is um when do you plan to arrive at the tip of africa at the moment i i don't know um i left egypt i left cairo on november 2nd uh so just over three months ago and i'm only halfway down so i don't know if i'm just really slow on the bike or is africa really just that big i'd say i'm going to hazard a guess what i'd say the towards the end of april the start of may I've no flight home booked or anything like that because it's just too hard to tell. So I'm just taking my time, you know. I mean, I can spend 10 days, 14 days cycling in a row, and or if I could take two weeks off, it really depends on how I feel and where I'm staying and who I'm with and what type of vibes I get about the place. But I guess that's the best thing about being on a bicycle. You're kind of just, you freedom to go and do whatever you want to do, really. Oh, yeah, listen, so, it's great yeah, to catch you today. And, and I have to say, I'm talking to you on a line in, in Tanzania, and it's fantastic. And we were talking to somebody in RD earlier on in the show, and you'd think they were... <laughs> on another planet never mind on planet Earth. my god this telecommunications it just baffles me at times if people want to follow you or find out a little bit more what's the easiest way social media wise so Facebook my, my cycle page would be uh, Tomas Africa Cycle and then uh, yeah I've Instagram as well which would be Sayers Tomas S-E-A-R-S T-O-M-A-S okay um, and through either of those, and you know, they can get my Twitter and stuff. But I suppose Facebook would be the one I update the most for, for Twitter, really. So, so Brilliant, brilliant. Tomas, Africa Cycle on Facebook. Wish you safety, wish you well, and thank you for taking our call today. No problem at all. Thanks a million for calling. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Lovely to talk to you. Yes, that uh, young man is doing great stuff in Tanzania. Tomas Mockenthier. Met this guy, good luck, Amandi, wearing a loud shirt. Kirano Kofi, originally from Rathcarn in County Meath, is on the line and he's furious about a father. Maybe it's not furious. He's in a kefuddle about it anyway. Kieran, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I go between furious and kefuddle. <laughs> Kieran, what's happening here? The father, they can't well, use it in the government agencies. Yeah, no, we can't use it at all. What's happening here is that this is really nothing new for me. I and any others have been pursuing a father in my name and my name and address, uh, or fathers in my name and address for, for decades, to tell you the truth. But it's only recently with GDPR that we actually have a window of opportunity whereby we can force these companies to do so, as in Article 16 of GDPR states that the company must hold your information correctly. And as far as I'm concerned, if it doesn't have fathers, it's not correct. So what response are you getting? I know the law's on your side, but the HSE, I know you're dealing with the HSE at the moment. What are they saying? Well, I'll tell you the truth. I have dealt with all these different companies um, at different stages until, you know, you have to go through a process and then they have to give you their final wording on it, which is no. And then I go to the Data Protection Commission, the commissioner. So this has been on um, since I was in hospital over, over the summer, since July. So... Um, 
I'm just waiting on, there are three particular cases, one is in relation to HSE, one in relation to Bank of Ireland, and one in relation to New Ireland Assurance. Now, the HSE one is, is, is the, the oldest one, so I hopefully their decision is imminent on that. Um, I'm hoping that they see it as clearly how it is written in the regulation. How important is the father? Context it to other languages. Well, I can't really context it to other languages in that it is in our language and it it has a particular meaning. The father, the word father means long. Mm. So unless, if if my first name, for example, is Kieran, if it's C-I-A-R-A-N, then it's not Kieran, it's Kieran. Yes. Now, I know a lot of Kierans, and that's fine, but that's not my name. My name is Kieran. It's a long A. So it's just, it has... It's not some sort of affectation. It actually has a particular role in the language. No, it exists. You know, you have accents in other languages. I know of umlauts and negrav and French, but I'm only talking about the father in our language, mm. particularly. But anyone who speaks a language with who use, that uses accents will tell you that um, A is one letter and A father is another. Yes. And I see an example of another name, which is in today's uh, Irish Daily Mail, Shifra, for example, and the father, the I father, Shifra. Uh, it, that, that, that it doesn't say this or pronounce the same without the father and the I, Shifra. No, not at all, and they have completely different meanings. For example, the word, the name Sean, S E A father N. If you leave out the father, it means old. Yeah, Shan. No, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, you listen. The there, there, there are many, many instances. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's particularly sensitive in a situation where it's your identity and it's your name. You know, mm. I think like we, we, we and, and I absolutely believe in a pluralist society where all minorities are, are respected. But like we, we should be respected just as anyone else respected for, you know, to the right of self-identification. I think the problem in this country and a lot of people would see this and, and I appreciate that. They don't think father is important. It's easy as a waste of time. I don't see it that way. But I think it's 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 a symptom of a deeper problem in this country is that we don't do detail. We don't do detail detail well. Like we're very innovative, imaginative, creative. But unfortunately, when it comes to detail and administration, it doesn't work. Look what happened with the children's hospital. It was mm-hmm. a question of detail, and it became two billion euros worth of bad detail. Yes. Yes, you make your point well, and you've made your case brilliantly with the pronunciations as well. I say to those companies and others. For the love of God, will you sort out the father? We can do anything else, it seems, with technology in this world. Surely a little father. This is what amazes me about the technology question, because 30 years ago, most of the systems did do a father, but they decided to change it. And now, and that was at a time of very primitive technology. Mm. Now we exist at a time where we have AI. Like I was saying this to to somebody the other day, like theoretically, they built a, a, a quantum computer in MIT in Massachusetts. Theoretically, they could put a father on my name in every probable version of me that exists in every probable universe. <laughs> Kieran O'Kofi, you rest your case. Case dismissed. I rule in your favour. I have to let you go. God bless you. Garamila, my good freshen. Oh my God. There you are. Little father. Come on. It can be done. It's not that complicated, is it? Anyway, we leave you not for father. We'll be back within 24 hours. Eddie's up next with The Drive. See you Thursday. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.